Welcome to Every Dimension. This podcast is created for those buying and selling design. Our aim is to explore how to demand more from design and how to deliver it, as we all need to keep growing brands when tomorrow's challenges and opportunities come in every dimension. Every Dimension is created by the Agency Path and hosted by me, a founder, Thomas Herman. Welcome to another episode of Every Dimension, Demand More from Design. This time we are joined by Mark Van Eterson. Hello, Mark. Hello, Thomas. Hi. Mark is Global Design Director for Portfolio of Brands at the Heineken Company. He's been there since 2005, but before that worked for some leading agencies in the Netherlands, and he's frequently involved in assessing the quality and effectiveness of design with judging roles including Cannes Lions, DBA, Pentawards, and currently DNAD, just to mention a few. So Mark, before we start the questions properly, uh, can we do some uh, quick warm-up, quick-fire warm-up questions, sort of either or? No, let's give it a try. Cool, right. <laughs> Easy one to start with, hopefully. Coffee or tea? Yeah, I'm a coffee lover. I love really good coffee. Cool. Many a day or just one good run in the morning? No, like three, maybe sometimes four. Good stuff, okay. good stuff. Cheese or chocolate? I'm a savory uh, eater, so that's definitely cheese. And maybe I should take chocolates for my wife because she is a uh, aficionado of chocolate. Good stuff, good stuff. Is it fair to say that cheese is fairly popular in the Netherlands? It is, it is. But um, my uh, French cheeses, Italian cheeses, I'm a... Oh, I'm a little bit of a kind of connoisseur in that. Good stuff, good stuff. Hopefully not a trick one. Beer or wine? What did you think? Beer. <laughs> no, and it's, it's of course, of course, I should say beer. For, um, I'm at Heineken. Uh, no, but I'm, I really like beer. And um, I really like the variety of tastes. I, I dare to say, if you don't tell everyone, that I sometimes even drink competitive beers to experience their tastes, whether it's, funky small stuff or um i also like wine by the way a lot but in a way beer also is digests easier in my in my body yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think yeah no i agree i think um i've i've sort of read as well i've learned much more about beer in, in in later life and the kind of variety of it i think yeah you kind of yeah. you sort of understand there's lots of wine but the more you the more you look you realize there's equal amounts of beer yeah um, and, and then the taste variety in beer technically is even wider than in wine eh? so from that perspective, you could say it's a more interesting category. People don't know it yet, but we're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Is that because potentially you've got more ingredients? You've got the kind of the mix of the malt and the hops? And yeah, you've got more ingredients. And in the process, there's more you can do, even if you stick to the couple of uh, uh, core ingredients. Um, yeah, you, you, you can make a huge variety with that. But certainly if you add stuff from botanicals to fruits or, yeah, you can go much further, of course. Yeah, yeah. and also beer has cracked good zero zero products yeah. as well haven't they? yeah now we'll talk a bit about that i think as well but that's indeed also a, a big one of course yeah yeah yeah, great so next one mountains or beach oh that one i find really tough um i guess i guess beach i mean the sea the horizon yeah there's beauty to it not a busy crowded tourist beach but a nice quiet empty beach 
Easier to drink beer on the beach, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't dumb. swim. Don't swim with beer. No, no. Uh, don't drink and swim. Um, town or country? Town. Town. I'm a real city lover. It gives you so much inspiration uh, to be in touch with what's going on. Uh, I, lo- I love cities. I love the countryside as a contrast. I'm, I'm basically I like contrasts, um, but certainly for my profession. Yeah. Were you, were you born in the city, in the in the town? I was not. I was born in a small village close to, or raised um, clo- close to Amsterdam, but uh, in a bit more. I don't think I can say rural, but a more smaller village area. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, last question. I hope this is not too cheeky. Favorite color: orange or green? Hmm. I think green. Uh, that's Heineken, but it's also nature, natural. I'm, I happen to wear green today, not Heineken green, but um... fantastic. Yeah, and I, I think I think I've seen uh, you a, a recent picture of you in a lovely orange jumper. So you wear them both very well. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. All right, thanks, Mark. Nicely warmed up. I hope. Um, so yeah, the, the first question we generally like to ask is: um, it's always insightful to, to understand how you know people like you started out in your career. Um, but even before you know maybe the start of your profession, can you tell us a little what your very very first job might have been? Yeah, um, th- that was in um, in a restaurant in the kitchen. Do the uh, at first uh, wash the dishes and the pans and and things like that. But I was quite quick with that. So then already quickly I. The, the, the chef allowed me to do make prepare some of the desserts and uh, be a bit behind the bar. So until you now ask me this question, I never realized, but maybe there is a little bit of a link. So it's a sort of on-premise bar restaurant outlet. And today I'm still, I'm a, an amateur chef. I love cooking. Um, I really love doing that, small or big, complex or simple. Um, and I think there maybe I started learning it. And for me, even cooking is a bit like designing, is creating something, coming up with something, creating it, make uh, making something tangible in the end. Yeah, um, absolutely. And at the same time, sort of in uh, uh, sort of hospitality, you're kind of facing customers and understanding how to deal with customers. And it's, uh, I guess, a good yeah, grab. Yeah, that, that dynamic is, um, yeah. is cool. Yeah, cool. So, so uh, what kind of age was that? And, and then how did you progress into... Uh, design creativity and design of what you're doing oh, now i think that was 15 16 something like that um school uh, some school years um trying to save some money for my first bar visit uh, with friends and things uh, at that age back then legal drinking age in holland was still 16 um <clears throat> no so and that was actually when i had to choose a studies i was still quite naive about it um I started with more technical stuff, uh, sort of, how do you say that, uh, aeroplane uh, engineer or or mechanic sort of things. But then I thought, mm, that's very, that's a lot of mathematics and stuff. And then I saw, I ran into a presentation of someone who was studying industrial design engineering. And I thought, oh, that's actually really nice. That combines the the mathematics and mechanics and physical understanding with business, marketing, consumer, psychology and and creativity and i mean i didn't feel like a designer i didn't have a portfolio but it it intrigued me and i thought well this might fit and super naively i thought okay let's do it and i started and actually over the years i started 
to to like it better and better and get more into it um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's basically still what i'm doing yeah fantastic yeah excellent and so um after studying that you then worked in consultancies and, and something like that yeah exactly in uh, agencies so um, yeah, during my studies, I got really passionate about it and especially about the less exact uh, part of it. So the mechanics and the math and things, I thought, okay, you can calculate it and then you have a yes or no. And there's, by the way, other people who can do that much better, who are specialized at it. I started focusing more on the creativity and the marketing consumer side because I thought those two things are more, in, you can add more personal value to it. There is There is less science to it. It's more intuition. It's more... Um, a bit more abstract, maybe a bit more strategic, maybe also. So I did my first internship in a brand packaging design agency, studying the um, uh, what color is doing to people, both physically as mentally, and the meaning of color. Um, uh, and then I did. I liked that so much that I also did my graduation project in a similar agency, and that's where that was basically then my first job. So I stayed there for quite a number of years. Um, running projects for all sorts of clients, amongst which actually Amstel and Heineken was already. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Was that the was that the kind of connection that allowed, that allowed you to move brand side with 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 Heineken? In the end, yes. So I was yeah. I was ten years in the agency, um, working for many other clients, obviously as well. Then moved to an innovation strategy consultancy, um, learned a bit more about business strategy. Um, business cases uh, things like that but always combined with creativity and there heineken happened to be again which was purely coincidental but happened to be again one of the clients okay. um uh, yeah so but it in a way <laughs> set me up to make the switch to the other side of the table and become clients and become responsible uh, myself yeah. yeah yeah or design buyer i suppose well yeah i mean it depends what perspective yeah, yeah. And, and so what was your first role at heineken my first role basically was my last role is what I do now is responsible for design for the Heineken brand. Uh, although back then in the meantime, I think 18 years ago, it's um, the definition was quite um, small. It was logos, packaging, maybe a little bit of merchandise, all, although that already was completely diverse across the world and not under our control here in Amsterdam. Um, so the scope and the size and the international spread was way less. Um, but it was in fact, and, and I at that moment already decided this is my type of job. I don't want to go to a more general marketeer or general management career path. I want to imagine stuff. I want to design. I want to deliver in the end something tangible that we created um, yeah, so that's, uh, and I was lucky enough to be able to always keep on developing the role. And that keeps it then, of course, interesting and challenging. Yeah, yeah. Was that kind of a new role when you when you joined? Did you sort of create the role and grow no. the role? <clears throat> no, no, no. In that sense, I was, I was lucky sort of standing on the shoulder of giants and or and in a company where the culture values design and creativity at large, but certainly also design and packaging design already for many, many decades. I think my predecessor started in the 70s, I think early 70s. Um, and he got from Freddie Heineken, the third generation, Freddie Heineken himself, the assignment, you make sure that Heineken green all over the world on our labels and boxes is identical, is as, we, as it's meant to be. 
and you make sure that nobody starts playing around with the logo. Um, so that was the old-fashioned uh, house-style packaging police, you could say, or from a technical um, uh, print point of view. Um, but it, in essence, was a very similar job. And nah, that made always that for me that this, this company and this culture has been a very uh, sort of fruitful environment because people get it that that's super crucial and represents a large part of the value of this company, of what we do. Yeah, 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 fantastic. And you can see, you know, from the outside, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a number of companies that uh, are mastering design in their sort of uh, brand building, and it's and it's the, it's the companies that have an internal design leadership and that, that kind of push things forward. So I think, yeah, Heineken are one of those, and um, uh, it's sort of uh, the results of your 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 hard work. And so your 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 role has recently grown or, or changed to to portfolio of brands. Can you? Tell us what that means and, and how your roles developed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> what what I did with my team, what we did was um, was for Heineken Brands. That's the name above the door. That's the flagship. That's by far our most important brand, obviously. So that's the best staffed team. So the global Heineken brand team has quite a lot of people specialized in sponsorships and comms and social and innovation, etc. But also in design. Um, and um, basically, um, we were in the position to also co-drive the brands. I mean, I was part of the Global Heineken brand uh, management team, uh, uh, owned part of the budget. So we were indeed able to really develop the brand um, and make design a central part of, its, uh, of the strategy and of its success. Um, and then after a number of years, the um, uh, other brands in the portfolio, if I may call it like that, which is nowadays approximately 300 different brands yeah, from Amstel to Desperados or Cruz Campo in Spain and Juviet Simpol and yeah, you, you name it, there's a lot. Um, they saw, they got inspired by um, what Heineken was doing in design. So I think, yeah, you can say that the marketeers across the world for all those other brands started leveraging design also a bit better, but then of course didn't have a real expertise in it because they were marketeers or, um, and started to ask our help. And we started supporting on the sideline in our free time uh, a bit, the other brands help them select the right agency, make a proper brief or the nitty gritty things, make sure that the letter spacing in the end is perfectly right. And that the printing, the translation on a label and a can and a, are all done well. So we started to support the other brands, um, um, and but that quest became sort of more active. And in the most recent reorganization, exactly one month ago, um, our chief commercial officer uh, indeed recognized like we should build this muscle of brand design um, also for the other brands in the portfolio. Um, it's 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 too important. It is. Um, um, we have the expertise in the global Heineken brand team, so let's widen that scope. And that's why um, since a couple of weeks, I'm uh, uh, in charge of design for, yeah, for the full portfolio of brands, but 300 brands is a bit much. So we don't overnight all of a sudden are in all 300 of them. So gradually we'll build it, um, but that's, uh, that's what it is. 
So it's another example of indeed uh, being able to develop the role further from where we started, where I started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Plenty to keep you busy, I can see. It keeps me quite busy now. <laughs> and uh, we, we've been talking about design, and you mentioned you know your your title includes the word design. Do you do you have a particular definition of design or an approach or a philo philosophy? Um, yeah, you know, I, I always try to see design in the broadest sense of the word. Um, so that's the full consumer experience, even customer experience, um, but it's the full experience. So it's all touch points. Um, I do think, at, at, and that's, you know, in that sense, you also, you set yourself up for a more strategic, for a higher level discussion. Uh, um, the risk with design is always that you're, put a bit in a niche and that it becomes too executional. Um, so I like to see it quite broad. I do like to, however, frame it um, where it delivers tangible, designed, created things. And a lot of it is tangible. Some things, of course, a lot is digital or is, um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise you can all of a sudden, uh, you can apply design or design thinking on everything but then it goes, which is useful maybe, but for me, then it's a bit too far. I'm busy enough with, uh, let's say, designing the stuff. Um, and But it means indeed like every step in the journey. And, and for brands, by the way, that's also where a large part of the value is because creating um, a powerful iconic logo or label is one thing, but applying the same thinking and understanding of what's building the iconicness in social media or a leaflet or a glass or in all these touch points uh, that, that's a sort of next step and that's where it comes to life yeah yeah yeah. i guess i mean to sort of expand on that discussion you know if we if we look at the you know the, the man-made world um you know, everything is essentially designed you know everything everything that's not created by nature is is, is sort of designed but therefore is there a kind of um, when 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 you and I talk about design and, and the good results of design, do we sort of we imply that it that 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 it's been done by a certain group of people or there's a certain way of thinking? You know, there's there's I can pick up one product. There's obviously somebody's chosen to make it that way, but it might not be very good. And then there's another product which has you know seems to be much much better, and that's because it's been developed and, and designed by by the right kind of people yeah, yeah. better yeah no no I, yeah. I i fully agree it's uh, everything is designed and some things are even designed maybe more unconsciously because it was just the technician or even you know the the possibilities of a machine that determines what something looks like or how it functions or um but yeah basically every well indeed next to everything nature um yeah, because that's not designed by by mankind at least interesting yeah and so um you know you've been at heineken for a number of years and had some had some real success you know would you say what would you say is the kind of secret to your success or is there a way you approach projects or, or look for um people in your team and partners is to, to ensure the best outcomes um i don't have an i don't have a simple easy answer to that um it's, I think it, it was maybe what I started explaining a bit about my studies and my first uh, internship, et cetera, the, um, where you can add most personal value. And that's also the, it's the left brain, right brain. I think really good design 
uh, combines rationale, strategy, business, understanding, and creativity, intuition. Um, it's technology and it's aesthetics. It's um, and I think it's in the end the trick. So I, I'm always very focused on the content, and for me, uh, building the team or organizing it or sort of comes then automatically as a result of that or comes second. I'm, I mean, I'm simply wired to focus and start with um, the content itself, leading by example. And and I think that um, if you're able to combine that rational and more creative, intuitive two worlds well, and a good designer can build those bridges, um, that that's the essence. And, and for me, that then comes with that the best design has a strong idea in it and a really good design you can almost explain in a couple of words and then you already get enthusiastic about it without having even seen it um, so a good idea a narrative a logic um, is is the the thing i always try to find in a design and i always try to challenge my team or agencies to to get to that point and and especially and once you have that um it's, it helps you so much along the way because then, I mean, again, if you have to design it through all sorts of touch points and a lot of stuff, um, it, it makes that easier because you know the story you want to tell or you know the big idea that is central to it. Um, so, so that's for me very um, yeah, central in how we do it. And, and then there is, I think it's the English who uh, taught me the saying uh, uh, how to swallow an elephant. Um, it's... it's um, how do, you, how do you say it? Chunk by chunk or um, hop, hop for hop, but we yeah, yeah. say in Dutch. Piece by piece or bite by bite. Piece, piece yeah. by piece, bite by bite. Uh, that's it. Because, you know, some projects um, at this scale, um, simply scale, a number of countries, number of SKUs, uh, money involved, people can sometimes be a bit uh, paralyzing. Then it's, whoa, that's, that's so much. Where do you start? And it's, uh, but... Probably I have a sort of simple, naive uh, mind that also focuses very much on the here and now, and let's do it step by step. Let's start somewhere, um, and then in the end, we'll get there. And I think that's a mindset that keeps you keeps you going and also make sure that you don't get stressed or burned out. I mean, yeah, that's what you can do. That makes a lot of sense, and I think, yeah, I guess we both practice in a similar industry. So we kind of understand those steps. I often think when I, when I look at a movie and, and see a movie that's been produced and I'm amazed at how brilliant it is, I think, you know, how do you start making a movie? You know, what, you know, the, all the kind of complexity to bring together. And I guess, but the people within the industry just know that it's that expert, that expert, yeah. that piece, that bite, yeah. that bite, that bite followed by that. So it's having that knowledge to be able to break it down and then bring it together. Yeah. And maybe even more simple. I always think, how do you write a song? or compose a music piece. I think I would have no clue. I think every melody I can imagine is already been created, but okay, it's not my, I've not learned it. It's not my profession. I don't have a talent for it. And with design, I've learned also to trust the process. You know, if you start broad, you start gathering insights and stimuli and you start making some choices and you start, now I know that we'll get there. Yeah. And I, I think you said earlier, you know, you're interested in, in your studies, you know, you kind of saw there was a spectrum of the kind of, I guess the kind of, um, how did we express it? The kind of, uh, the scientific towards the intuitive. Um, do you feel like 
as time goes on, you know, more of your profession is is being is more science is being introduced to the intuitive side. Do you feel like there's more kind of rigor and sort of facts and figures involved in in some of the design side? No, I'd say personally, I think I start more and more and more over the years trusting my intuition, but that's probably because that intuition, of course, is fed by a lot more experience than 25 years ago. I mean, yeah, that somewhere is in the back of my mind and um, <clears throat> makes that your sort of quick judgment on things gets better. And um, uh, of course, as a business, as a company, we are of like all businesses, very much onto the data-driven, uh, science-based, uh, etc. The funny thing is that with design, I experience eight out of ten times that all research, all data can point in one direction, but if the belly feel of a couple of stakeholders points into another direction, they tend to follow their own belly feel. And, and then all of a sudden, intuition, yeah, wins from data and that's frustrating but it's also beautiful because it also makes that you dare to make distinctive own unexpected decisions or go um, because data and certainly also consumer data in the end reflects today and the past and not the future eh? so that's always the the tricky thing with it um now yeah so so that's a bit about science versus intuition Maybe I've I've um, asked that question before and had you know answers about the nature of instinct and intuition and it's maybe relates to your your uh, music reference you know that people that have got the experience and have done the practice and, and and tried a lot of things develop a better instinct I suppose and then so a musician that's done the ten thousand hours I guess is more instinctive and can can you know find a new tune more quickly you know yeah. using their their gut as opposed as opposed to using sort of science but uh yeah, cool um and, and lastly on that i think you you were mentioning that you know the balance of number of terms i guess it's the the rational approach and the emotional approach or the the logic and the magic um do you do you, do you look for that kind of those skills within the same person or do you think you need to have teams of creatives and teams of 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 um uh uh, so that uh, a, a motive team and a rational team and you kind of mix them together or can you have individuals that, that do both? No, I think it's both. I would say in the essence, uh, in essence, a good designer or a good design manager um, uh, is able to combine both. Um, uh, yes. Next to that, it's also indeed um, um, involving people who are super good in one of the two. Uh, but then still the, the beauty of the role of the designer or design manager is to bring those people together or to uh, to serve as the bridge to make one coherent thing out of it. Um, so it's, it's also in the team. I try in my team also always to have a, a mix of, um, uh, you know, people who really come from a creative design art academy background and have a bit of that business and marketing understanding. But also there's people more in the implementation who are more in technical printing or come from a trade marketing sales background and bring them in our team so much sort of reality of, guys, this is the supermarket shop floor. This is what you can do there. This is proven successful. So don't try your dreamy stuff like this. And yeah, so, so the different types of people uh, definitely also make the diversity. Um, and what's then <clears throat> um, 
what I also find important is that you then try to 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 use the people for what they are best at. Um, I think often businesses, corporates, organizations have a tendency to focus on elements or uh, capabilities where a person is not that good at yet and then try to fix that. But it's often the, 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 the flip side of the same medal. So <clears throat> I always try to say, okay, yes, they're less good at that, but let's use them for what they're really good at. Um, and that's where talent then flourishes if, that's, um, yeah, if you get it right and if someone gets into a certain flow. Good stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's great to talk about that. I could talk about that all day, but um, time is moving on. Um, and uh, I kind of would like us to move to our next section, which I might try and um, try and group together or allow you to kind of answer as a whole. Uh, I mean, we we touched on before we hit record, you know, some of the recent projects you're involved in, and you know, potentially how we can kind of express, you know, some of your work. Um, and then the kind of uh, the kind of theme of these conversations is to talk to people like you about kind of challenges um, and opportunities in, in, in the industry, in the industry and, um, you know, how design and designers can, you know, play a role in that. So, I, I mean, um, let me know how you, how you think, uh, you, you know, we could we talk about some of your recent projects in those kind of terms, you know, the work you've done, the challenge that it, presented or the opportunity you found and then perhaps how you and your design teams yeah. kind of approach those yeah uh, yeah of course um <clears throat> i mean i mean for all of us uh, climate change is a huge challenge and a great opportunity to innovate and design for a better future um so that's one that keeps us very very busy uh, obviously and a lot is in the in the back uh, of the supply chain, eh, making sure our carbon footprint really goes to zero already pretty quickly. And, um, <clears throat> but also from a design uh, point of view, you can be, uh, we are the consumer facing part of it, um, uh, trying to, for example, move the world back to or forward to returnable bottles. I mean, we used in, the, in beer hundred years ago, put beer in bottles that when they were empty, went back to the brewery, got washed and filled again. Now in quite some markets that, syst that system still exists, but in more markets, it's not there anymore. Um, the, and, and we know what a returnable bottle uh, looks like, but designing it in such a way that it's more aspirational, that it's more premium than a one-way bottle or in most markets, returnable is considered lower end of the market, mainstream or economy, while one way is premium. We should reverse that and we can design in such a way that we help that to make that happen. You guys have had some great ideas around that. You know, I think this, I mean, how, whether they were limited edition or, or kind of, um, you know, sort of, uh, uh, sort of test pieces, you know, ideas that, that a returnable bottle could have a little bit of a story that we'd tell, you know, where it's yeah. been previously and things like that, which are. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. No, it was, it's, it's in market. It still is in France, in bars, in the on-premise. Um, but it was a sort of large market, uh, pilot but it's still there but we learned a lot from it and are currently scaling it the, the same idea up in other markets uh, but indeed the, a bottle that carries the story of what it has experienced where it's been and you can add your message to that same bottle and 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 physically the bottle the more it scuffs the more beautiful it becomes and that's another feature often scuffing we find ugly and then it's not premium anymore 
if you design it in such a way, just like a leather bag or, I mean, there, there is so much appreciation, vintage clothing, um, that the signs of the times are, are, are a pro and not a con. I'm keen to get your your view on a, on a couple of things that maybe some of our listeners in the UK are, are, have come across. Um, certainly in the UK, there's been a, a bold relaunch of the brand Strongbow, the cider, um, and, and lots of debate about, you know, um, the execution and, and uh, the sort of thoughts behind that. Can you tell us much about that project and the kind of the, 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 the process and the kind of the sort of outcomes? Yeah, it's an example where our UK team has driven it. Uh, cider is, of course, uh, is huge in the UK. And I, I sit in Amsterdam. Well, we have a little bit of cider, but not to the same level that you guys uh, have in the UK. Uh, but I was involved indeed. Um, and my involvement was very much giving, and I think that's the essence for this one, giving the marketing team the confidence to dare to do this. Because, you know, it's a big, well-established, old, authentic brand, Strongbow. But it had been suffering for quite a number of years, and there was quite some redesigns. And it was, and for me, almost as an outsider of that brand and category, it always looked a bit blend and a bit generic and a bit like, yeah, yeah, I see it. It's a nice typeface, maybe. And I see a symbol with an apple or, and I saw the bow archer. Um, and then... And it was a nice example also, by the way, of uh, collaboration of different agencies. There was also the, 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 the comms, the ad agency, uh, showing some initial poster ideas that were super graphic and iconic, and that inspired, in the end, the design. Um, and then, um, yeah, for me, it was really all of a sudden unveiling the iconic power that was in the brand, but it was sort of hidden and captured. It was... There was too much other stuff around it. Um, and now it's so clean, so confident, so bold. Um, yeah, that for me, all of a sudden, it it totally unveils the iconicness of it. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes, again, you have the data thing. If you do research it, it will polarize and there will be loyal consumers that don't like it because they've for 30 years already been drinking the other Strongbow as they know it. So that's very tricky to to judge. So at a certain moment, you also have to simply dare doing it. Guys, come on, we need to move forward. And yeah, I think for me, this is a beautiful example of that. I think it's it certainly uh, delivered some really strong communication. And, and uh, we were talking earlier about you know your 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 predecessor's role with um, Freddie Heineken. You know, managing the color of Heineken and, and the big story about Strongbow has been you know well, where's the where's the gold and black that we we recognise, but actually now we're seeing with a with a more complex range of flavours, you know, color has another part to play in in the communication. But you've also yeah. got a distinctive asset in terms of the 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 archer, which you can which you can play out. So I guess it's a it's a job of managing what you need to communicate to the to the customers or the consumers with with the elements you've got and kind of prioritizing the right pieces just to kind of cut through. Oh, but that's it. Eh? It's making choices, prioritizing, and you cannot always keep everything because we did exactly the same for Heineken brands already many years ago. We had medals and a racetrack and a banner and a word mark and a star and a racetrack shape and hop leaves and yeah and if you keep everything alive at the same visually at the same level almost it will never become iconic because it's too much for you need to focus on a couple and 
we decided we make green the red star and the word mark with the smiling east the hero. Those three elements are the core. The rest we maybe still have because you need embellishment and you need a bit of authenticity, but that's the core. And I think at Strongbow, and it certainly kicks in when you start developing flavors and innovating in alcohol-free and in uh, God knows what, um, yeah, you, you cannot keep everything. You need to make space also to communicate all those line extensions and innovations. And I think in the case of Strongbow, the, the shape, that symbolism of the archer is so strong and recognizable, it works in every color. Um, so, but it depends on your brand. Eh? For other brands, you might say the color is, is holy and we'll never touch it and we'll find other ways to create variation underneath it. Uh, but I think in this case, yeah, the, the symbolism is so strong that it's uh, I often use the example of, of course, everyone always used the example of Nike or that swoosh doesn't have a color anymore. I mean, it started very long ago with red as a sort of main color, but it can be every color. It can be a pattern. It can be executed in whatever. It doesn't matter. And it's also, by the way, um, chicken and acting. Eh? You create iconicness. You create yourself also by making these choices. Um, I can almost guarantee you that if we continue on this path for Strongbow, the Archer will become even more iconic in its shape because we've given ourselves the liberty to uh, to give it every color and to start be more creative with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Well, th well thank you for the for the insight into uh, into Strongbow. Um, also, we uh, we're aware of some some other work you might have been involved in. Certainly at um, uh, the Design Week in Milan. Um, previously kind of looking at more of an experience you know beyond packaging and, and, and uh, consumer goods there was a, a sort of crowdsourced nightclub um can you tell us about that and why you would do something like that yeah those were those are super interesting uh, projects that's um heineken brand in its dna has has a lot of values like open-minded curious progressive um and that means that we makes my job also super interesting because it means we can never stand still. We always have to try to progress and find new things. Um, and uh, th that's basically what we do in those sort of concept bars, concept clubs, is uh, try to innovate, uh, trial, experiment. Uh, so almost everything in those, in those concept bars and clubs is 3D printed prototypes, uh, to, to try new solutions, to come up with new ideas. Um, and indeed, it's not just a bottle or a glass or a draft column uh, because we see that we bring people the full experience. Um, uh, and it's, it's one of the, the philosophies that made the Heineken brand big already for maybe a century is the understanding. Freddie Heineken said it himself. I don't just sell beer. I sell enjoyment, gezelligheid in Dutch, the full experience. Now, uh, we also see ourselves as responsible to design that full experience or one of the ladies in my team always says social design. Uh, I design bringing people together. Um, and that's indeed in these instances from the bar itself to the DJ booth and the dance floor and the, the, the serving rituals and the, uh, the bar staff apparel and everything. Um, and then we... And it's and it, so it's it's a bit of a free space for ourselves to be really creative and experiment because you can imagine with a big brand a redesign like Strongbow we just talked about, we talked about daring to do it, but you cannot 
risk it completely and go co totally experimental because there's too much at stake. Um, so these things are the, 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 the relatively low risk, small creative playgrounds in which we can experiment. Um, and we currently launched one, for example, here on the roof of the Heineken Experience in Amsterdam. We, um, we designed beer cocktails. We designed new serving rituals with flavored frozen foam on top of another beer. And you can do amazing things with beer that people never thought of. Um, now, and that's where we start with the beer, but then it's the serving ritual in which glasses, how do you order it? How do you, no, we called it Heineken Studio, and it's, um, it, it's another iteration of the, same, of the same thing, basically. Yeah, yeah, and always interacting with customers. and Always with consumers and customers, because that's where it happens. You know, exactly. When we did London Design Festival, Milan Design Week, I said, we cannot put a, a nice, cool experimental design on the pedestal like in a museum and say don't touch the only way we can do it is it has to work so we have to build we have to serve beers people have to have fun <laughs> it has to be the the coolest place that week in that city because that's what we bring yeah fantastic great um and then, and then last but not least uh, you know recently um uh, you've launched a glass new glass or a, a glass with uh, um, recycled glass content um, can you tell us a little bit about that? And, uh... Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those. Uh, of course, again, footprint, climate change, uh, circularity is super central in in everything we do right now. Um, and it's one of those examples where you design it almost in one minute. I mean, if you're in an agency or in, you say, okay, let's make the glass out of recycled glass. And um, okay, good idea, let's do it. But then it didn't exist. Um, yeah. Maybe with some people who blow by mouth, you can do some recycled glass. In the bottle industry, a lot of recycled glass has been used, but that's a very different factory and setup yeah. than glass production. Yeah. Um, and drinking glasses, traditionally always, um, people wanted them to be completely flint, completely clean, transparent. Yeah. Uh, and the moment you start recycling glass, obviously you get a bit of a color hue because there's some contamination in it. And we said, we'll ex um, accept that. Um, certainly if it's a bit green, because yeah, we are green as a brand, so we love that, actually, yeah. to have that finally also in our glass. Yep. Um, we even made a completely green glass made out of recycled Heineken green bottles. That's also quite surprising experience, but super cool. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but still then, making it happen, the glass factory works with a huge furnace with, I don't know how many tons molten glass in it. You have to re do that whole furnace because the virgin glass needs to get out and the recycled glass needs to get in. Yeah. Um, and you cannot say, let's try 1000 glasses. It's almost half a year production that you then have to do. Oh, yeah. And we were partnering um, with IKEA on this one because IKEA is the world's biggest glass buyer and seller. They oh, yeah. also wanted to move to recycled glass. So we said, let's partner and let's together occupy this glass furnace at the glass factory. And that's how we made it happen. And mm -hmm. indeed, now just in um, uh, Spain launched uh, the first big batch of glasses made out, out of 99% uh, recycled glass. Technically, they could not get the last percentage. I think the majority is 100%, but legally, yeah, we wanted to be sure. Um, and um, uh, well, and, and Heineken Silver, we did a similar batch. And, and aesthetically here for me and also brand iconic by the way having that green tint in it is fantastic yeah yeah fantastic that's great yeah thanks for telling us about that it's it's, it's great to think that 
yeah often design you know isn't just the idea the idea is the is the quick bit you know design is the whole process of of delivering delivering it and making sure that that idea um travels all the way down the process Fantastic. it's, it's the, the one huge learning for me switching from agency side to client side is what it takes to really make something happen you know because designing it is one thing and sometimes it's hard and it's tough and it's but making it happen um can be either here in on a technical supply side or stakeholders or uh, getting the fundings for it yeah that's um that's part of the job as well yeah yeah i mean in, in our in our kind of pitch you know this is a podcast for design buyers and design sellers i think it's for the design sellers to realize yeah that you know they've sold the idea or sold the the concept but yeah the guys buying it have got a, a huge job then to to implement it so yeah it's yeah. good to have that respect oh, and it's good well, to have then design managers on the client side uh, and, and not uh, let's be very i don't mean it disrespectful but the, the average marketeer yeah has a bit of a different perspective on that and different capabilities yeah, yeah, yeah. well mark it's been it's great to talk to you i could keep talking we're, we're getting close to the end of our time so um thank you i'll try and wrap up with our with our last sort of set of questions um the first of those is our kind of go-to question uh the podcast is called um, every dimension demand more from design um if you could demand anything from designers so if you could wish the solution to any problem and, and this is a world where anything is possible you've got a magic wand what question might you choose to solve um yeah that's the one million dollar question I, I i had actually i thought that the first thing that came to might solve climate change um and i really hope designers will play their part in it and will solve it but maybe i will switch change my mind and i will say um, stop polarization in the world and bring people together. Um, and I say that also because I feel there it's close to our purpose as Heineken to bring people together over a beer. Um, and I think, I think the world would be such a much better place if we would have less polarization and if people would listen a bit more to each other and sit together and respect each other. Yeah, it's a great point. And it's probably the first step in, in solving all problems, including climate change. You know, uh, getting... Exactly. So from there, we we might solve the rest and then maybe even have a beer with it. Yeah, yeah. Great shout. Okay. Um, next question is, what's the kind of, what would you say the best piece of advice you've received is? Or, or do you have a kind of particular motto or piece of advice that you share with other people? I find it always valuable. And I, there's not one person that, told me this but i think through people around me and my experience i've sort of learned it and is live in the here and now um i think there is huge strength i'm not so much into uh, yoga zen all sorts of uh, things but uh, i always understand my wife is a bit more into that and she always tells me that's one of the big lessons actually to live in the here and now um of course, you should at the same time have imagination and vision and look forward, etc. But in the end, live in the here and now and solve what you have now on your plate and focus on what now on what you're doing now. That's the famous the flow. I think is the best piece of advice. Don't always be already moving forward or scared for what might happen. Live in the here and now. That's great advice. Certainly from a creative point of view, I think yeah, yeah, sort of immersing yourself in that in the here and now and kind of yeah kind of um yeah letting letting the letting the experience happen is is great cool all right well thank you and just before we close um do you have any 
particular um anything you're you're reading or you've seen or watched or been to that you might recommend or, or just would want to shout out in terms of uh, a good experience um i think my recommendation in that sense is go to dutch design week um in eindhoven uh every year um after the summer it's mostly quite experimental students uh, presenting their work. So it's not very commercial, but it's so inspirational. And I always get so energized by what I see, but probably most by young student designers with a drive and an eagerness and an energy and an optimism. 99% is about solving the world's issues. Um, I always um, get back from there with a big smile. And I, I think, um, I'm sure many designers already do it, but do it. And certainly Dutch Design Week is, um, is a really good one. Great, great. Well, great. Thank you for that recommendation. A good point to end on, uh, you know, something for us to look forward to. So, um, Mark, the time has flown. It's been great to talk to you. Uh, could have talked a lot more about um, your experience and kind of your approach, but um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. And we'll uh, any any mentions and uh, recommendations you've made, we'll we'll try and make some links to it in the in the podcast notes. And um, we will uh, we will wish you luck, and we'll keep in touch. Thank you, and thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoy it. You have been listening to Every Dimension, brought to you by Path. Join in the conversation on LinkedIn using the hashtag Every Dimension, or on Instagram at We Are Path. For more information on how we design brands better in every dimension, please visit wearepath.com forward slash every dimension. Here you'll find all our other podcasts and 20 years of experience helping brands diagnose opportunities and challenges, then designing identity, experience and innovation to deliver on them. This podcast is created and produced by Path. If you have enjoyed this podcast, why not leave us a review on Spotify or iTunes? Thank you.